Welcome to the Student Podcast. Our goal is to act as a conduit to young people to help simplify complicated topics, concepts, and success stories in actionable pieces of intelligence that you guys can use in your everyday life. Uh, today, our guest is a good personal friend of mine, Emerson Hodes. He works with Chief of Staff here in Kansas City, um, local guy like himself, um, and he's also the founder of the Loop, uh, KC Young Professionals Network. It's blown up. He's amazing. We'll get into it today a little bit, but uh, did I miss anything? Is there anything else you, you'd like the people to know, my friend? Nah, man. Other than my uh, talking chop podcast, uh, I've got that going this year, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm just uh, I'm a recruiter and salesperson over at Chief of Staff KC, and um, yeah, the Luke KC as well. So, oh, yeah. well, I appreciate you jumping on today. So let's talk just a little bit about your background, kind of your yeah. the, the the journey and the things that you've kind of done, where you've been, what you've done, all of those types of things. Um, and we can kind of move into some of those initial calls to adventure, but just give some background. Where did you go to school? Where did you study? Like all those yeah. things. Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Kansas City. Uh, went to school at Rockers High School, um, rival to your Blue Springs. Um, sorry to steal your high school football coach from you. Uh, but uh, so I went to, I went to school uh, at Rockers, um, you know, got taught servant leadership there, being a man for others. Uh, it's really impacted my life. Uh, then went to school at Vanderbilt um, down in Nashville, um, studied, was originally going to do econ and history, but I wasn't good enough at math um, at Vandy to, to continue on with that. So I, I, um, I studied like military history, European history um, as my major and then minored in entrepreneurship. And that's really where I spent most of my time just doing um, stuff with the National Entrepreneur Center there um, and teaching some classes and stuff. But uh, from there, uh, I actually worked full time uh, while I was still in school. Um, there was a, uh, a company called Just College uh, that was a collegiate travel company, like spring break trips, fraternity, sorority formals, music festivals, stuff like that. Um, and I was a rep my sophomore year. I interned out in Vegas my junior year and then senior year I worked full time with them um, while all my friends uh, were you know, going to work on Wall Street and getting consulting jobs with Deloitte and, Deloitte and Bain and all these, you know, amazing companies. Um, and I, you know, was working for a startup based in Las Vegas, um, you know, going through scaling. And so it was, it was interesting, you know, I, I got a really good degree, but I, I just didn't really feel called to go do the whole consulting route. And I, um, I just knew I, you know, had the entrepreneurship blood in, in me. And uh, my dad was a serial entrepreneur. And, um, I just, I just knew that seeing that uh, process of a company going through scaling at a young age is really valuable. Um, and it's tremendously helped my career. Uh, but, and then I went out there to Vegas, worked there for two years, um, you know, learned a lot of lessons out there, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, and then ended up moving back to, to Nashville for a year before I came back to Kansas City. Um, and I fell into IT recruiting as I was trying to get a job in the music industry in Nashville. Um, did that for about 10 months, realized I absolutely loved recruiting and helping people find jobs and connecting people and um, all of that. But I hated the corporate life. I, I, I couldn't stand, you know, all the politics and the, the ass kissing that goes into uh, working in a corporate environment. Um, and, and I knew just being an entrepreneur at heart, um, you know, that wasn't really going to last. So, um, you know, felt like I was called by God back to Kansas City, uh, working with my cousin, Jesse Underwood, who, um, you know, provided me a great opportunity like my dad would, did with her uh, back in 2011. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Had a, uh, I had been here for about two and a half years now. 
And, um, you know, I've grown more in these last two and a half years than I think I did throughout all of college and after that. So I like that. So I think that uh, one of the the best places to start, we kind of go through the hero's journey here as cures know. And so the beginning of that is kind of call to adventure, refusal to call, that kind of stuff. Um, and just even in your brief file, I felt like there's a little bit of two of those, <laughs> kind of yeah. refusing to go the traditional route and um, accepting kind of the call to go towards the, uh, I mean, you took a jump out of college to go start work for a startup. Um, yeah. Could you walk us through a little bit of what that was like, what some of the, because I mean, again, we have younger people watching this that are themselves, yeah. maybe they're in high school and they're thinking, well, do I need to go to college? What are some not yeah. ways you could go? What some of the rocks to get thrown at you, like your family? Walk us through some of that stuff. I'd love to hear. Yeah, so, I mean, it was interesting. It, it wasn't a decision I made lightly. Um, I mean, I, I believed in the company and, you know, working full time, um, you know, my senior year, I got to expand into a whole new territory into the Southeast. So I had a lot of responsibility at a young age. Uh, so I believed in what I was doing. And honestly, like, you know, I got a lot of shit from my dad and I'm sorry, can I cuss on this by the way? Oh yeah. It's all good. Um, yeah. Well, my dad, you know, wanted me to keep interviewing and get all this practice. And I, I had my mind made up. I was like, dad, I, I know that this isn't a traditional route. And I know that, you know, you know, you spent a lot of money for me to get this good degree, but I really do feel like this is the right step in my life. And this is what I want to do. And I, I just know if I go and and try to get a corporate job right out of the gate, I'm, I'm going to look back on this time and really, you know, kick myself for not taking a risk. Um, and, and again, like through Vandy um, and honestly through high school too, like I, I've dealt with imposter syndrome like almost my whole life. And it's, for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's just like uh, you don't feel like you're, you're good enough or you don't feel like you deserve, you know, where you're at. Um, and like going to school at Vandy, I never thought I was smarter than anyone around me. I, I always thought like, how the hell did I get into this school? I don't deserve to be here. I got lucky, all of that. And it took me a real a long time to feel comfortable with just being there. And I still deal with it to this day in a, in a lot of different circumstances. So that's something that's just kind of um, I've, I've learned to grow out of it. Um, and I've what learned. Did you, what did you learn? What did you learn? I love grabbing the tips here. So yeah, I would love to hear because this one of the most common questions like is, am I good enough? That everyone almost yeah. always as human beings, they don't think other people are thinking those things, but almost everyone is like, am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Am yeah. I, is, am I enough? And so I would love to hear any tips, tricks, things like that that you have maybe uh, you have used or maybe you'd suggest. Yeah, honestly, it was more of a mind shifts, uh, a mindset shift in, in, for me personally, um, where you know, I, I remember we had um, in my fraternity at Vanderbilt, we have this senior wisdom moment where like all the seniors who are about to graduate talk to the rest of the fraternity and talk about, you know, you get the floor to talk for, you know, five, 10 minutes about awesome. what wisdom you have. And so I remember, you know, a lot of my friends went and they were talking about jobs and professional stuff. And I got up there, I was like, guys, like, you know, I know a lot of you look at me and you see that, you know, what I'm about to do and you've known me throughout college is, uh, you know, the fun social guy who, you know, doesn't take class too seriously as much. But like, you know, I, I really want to tell you that, um, you know, I've enjoyed my time here, but I, I want to tell you guys to take more risks. Like, I feel like Vandy itself is a very like one track thing. Like you get in there, you get an economics degree and then you go get the, that job. And I was like, I just see so many people do that. And then two years later, they've just lost in life. And I was like, go take a risk, try stuff, try different stuff. Like, you know, um, and 
to me in, in overcoming the that that mindset it was like I need to stop comparing myself to everyone around me like it's my life and I don't give a crap where my friends are or how much money they're making or you know how successful they are out of the gate or how far behind they are like I don't I don't sit there and judge. I don't look back. I don't look in front. I look down and I do my work and I focus on me and what I can control. And having that mindset um, has really kind of helped me overcome a lot of those negative thoughts about, uh, you know, am I good enough? And, you know, and the thing is, I'm 26 years old and I don't have to have anything figured out. You have, you can be 40 and have nothing figured out. Like, that's the thing, like, you like, as long as you're okay with who you are as a person, as long as you trust yourself and you know that at the end of the day, like, you know, you shouldn't care about what anyone else is doing and all that matters is who you are and what you're doing. And that'll help you kind of escape that mindset of negativity and, and doubt. I love that. So, I mean, this kind of flows right in kind of perfectly is getting out of that. A lot of the times it helps to have help in general so yeah uh, out of that mindset are there mentors or people that kind of along the way kind of your yoda right or your old yeah your Luke, whoever it is that whether it's here been here in kc or maybe a mentor that helped you when you're in vandy to kind of break out of that yeah everyone does that type path and get out of that box or when you get to when you got to kc people who have been mentors here i know scott hazen to someone that you talk yeah. about often in that vein so i'd love to just so, i would say in college um it was really my dad um he's, he's the one that I, I attribute a lot of who I am to my father. And I, you know, love him to death. He's a, he's a great man, um, and even better husband and, and dad. And, and like, I just, I grew up, I was his oldest son, you know, we'd sit down and talk all the time and we still do to this day. Um, you know, I'll call him when I'm having trouble and we'll talk for hours. Um, and it's great, but, um, you know, he was probably my mentor in college. Like I remember, um, you know, just calling him crying times where I'm, I'm, you know, just so overwhelmed and don't know what to do. And he was always my rock throughout the entire thing, even after college too, until I got back to Kansas city, like he still is probably my biggest mentor, someone I go to and can turn to all the time. Uh, but outside of the family connection, um, you know, when I, when I got back or early on in sales, it was my first, you know, real managers, both the, he kind of taught me, you know, uh, how to be a salesperson and, um, you know, how to, how to make those connections with people you don't know and um, kind of having the balls to, to get in front of people and, and kind of own it and just be who you are. And as long as you're, you know, who you are and, you, and you're personable and you're likable, uh, you know, people will gravitate towards you. So I have him to kind of attribute my sales stuff to. But um, really, you know, the biggest thing that happened to me is when I moved back to Kansas City, I met with Scott Havens and um, I got introduced to him with, uh, from my cousin. And um, he just preached the value of networking to me and my line of work with recruiting, but also just, you know, in general in Kansas city is such a tight knit community that um, right. if you, as a young person, I was 24 at the time when I met him and he challenged me to go meet 25 people. I went and met 30 people in those two months. And uh, I just really took to networking. Um, and I have him to thank for, for the push off the ledge and the challenge to do so. And then obviously he kind of, you know, built the framework of, you know, what the loop is and kind of helped me along the way. And, you know, I took it and ran with it. And I still, you know, uh, am mentored by him very frequently. But even my boss now, Casey Wright, uh, I, I turn to him a lot with industry specific stuff, just learning from him uh, and his career path and his expertise and knowledge. But honestly, you know, right now, I my favorite mentors are you, Jeremy and George, like the, the guys that, uh, you know, we hold each other accountable. And, uh, you know, we help push each other and set goals for each other. And, uh, you know, just work together. And it's, 
it's finding finding a family mentor, finding a professional mentor, and then finding like some peers that are can mentors, but will you know hold you accountable and push you. I think that's really helped me grow as a person. And you know, there's been a tremendous amount of opportunities that have come from all of those. Uh, but that's really who's kind of helped me along my way. Yeah, I love that. Finding a tribe too is always helpful, <laughs> especially yeah. for peers. And it's it's kind of cool how you can go up the line too. Cause I know like you and I have had conversations where it's like, oh, I had a mentor that taught, taught me this. And you're like, oh my gosh, I had one that taught me that. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah. you can, if you can find peers that again, can hold you accountable and push you like that, you can also expand your mentor mentor network and get more done yeah. with multiple people. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I always recommend having like, you know, as many mentors as possible. Like I have a team of like 10, a couple have fallen off just due to COVID concerns because they're older, but like, you know, before COVID, I was meeting with 10 different people on a quarterly basis. Um, some were personal, um, you know, family or just, you know, friends, dads that we just got together and, and you know, kind of caught up with everything. And then most of them were like Charlie Penner. Um, he's the owner of HL Restoration. He uh, really helped me kind of uh, get my my life together. One, three, five year goals. He, he just pushed me like and recommended books and stuff. And uh, Janet Lockridge as well. Like I had some really, really great mentors that I can't wait to, to get back in front of, but I always recommending having personal and professional mentors you can count on and as many as possible, honestly, because there's just so much to learn and having someone to take an investment in your life and your career and helping you get there. Um, you know, the sky's the limit with, you know, where you can go with all that. So. Oh yeah. So the, it's kind of someone who's kind of the master here and younger, I would love, I don't always ask this, but I would love to kind of understand, uh, especially for younger people, first of all, do you think if you're in college, you can start finding mentors and start grabbing coffees? And then I know for a fact, my vote on that would be yes, <laughs> but yeah. I'd love just kind of hear your thoughts on that. But then also that initial outreach, like how do you, like Scott Havens, for, for example, yeah. people who don't know Kansas City, like if you got here, you would know Scott pretty quickly. <laughs> and, but yeah. that can be a little bit intimidating to some people to reach out to, just cold, like, do you email them? Do you call them? Do you, yeah. what types of stuff? Like, hey, how can I help you, Gary Vemont style? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I uh, I was actually on Zeke's pod, or Zeke's was doing a pri- uh, trial podcast that he did uh, with Higher KC. And uh, I was talking to uh, like four different girls who were in high school and they're asking me the same question about, uh, you know, networking, because that's what I was talking about. And um, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, uh, whether you're 30, 50, 60, you should always be networking. The thing is, is like, you know, you, you graduate from school and you can go the rest of your life without learning anything else. Right. Um, you know, whether you read books is one thing, but the, the way that I learn the most in my current life is just through other people and learning about their experiences and successes and failures they've been through. And early on in my career, um, you know, networking was literally the only reason that I had had the book of business that I did uh, and that I met as many people as I did and succeeded in helping in helping people find jobs. It was um, it, it's something that I, you know, was blessed to learn at an early age from Scott, honestly, um, because I think it's it's opened up just a tremendous amount of doors in the two and a half years I've been in town. I honestly wish I did that back in college. I wish I did that back in high school because <laughs> I think the hardest part with networking is, you know, your first maybe, you know, three to five meetings where you're like, oh crap, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just here like getting coffee with someone. But then once you kind of find a rhythm, once you find what works for you and you know, the, the flow of the conversation is so easy. Um, I, a huge barrier to entry of that is like, 
how nerve wracking it can be to reach out to an adult or a CEO of a company and ask him to go get coffee. Um, here's, here's, here's uh, the inside track to that. Like have no agenda whatsoever. If you reach out to him, um, say, you know, Hey, Mr. Isabel, my name's Emerson. Um, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a really long time. I've, I respect the hell out of you. And I would love to buy you a cup of coffee and, and learn from you if you have some time to get back. Um, and who the hell would say no to that? Uh, if you're, if you're a young kid or if you're a, you know, a scrappy 20 year old that just graduated college and is just looking to learn. Right. Um, because the thing is no successful CEO, no successful business owner got to be where they were without mentors. And so now that they're at that point, they're looking for young people to reach out to them. They have all this knowledge and all this industry expertise and all this, uh, you know, advice they can give, but no one's asking them for it. So the moment you reach out, they'll be like, oh, hell yes. I would love to go get a coffee with you. Thank you for asking because no one has the balls to do it. And so as long as you are humble, have no agenda, and you just ask, um, can I learn from you? Then they're going to be, you, obviously, you might have to follow up with them a couple of times. These people are busy, right. uh, you know, and, but be persistent about it. They'll, they'll recognize that and make time for you. And then when you get to the meeting, here's an inside track on how to do it when you uh, first start out. Them. You don't, even, don't even talk about yourself. Say, you know, hi, Mr. Isabel. It's great to meet you. Thanks for making some time to get coffee with me. Honestly, you know, I, I just wanted to open up the floor to you. Like the best way I learned, and this is my, my pitch, but the best way I learned is just hearing about people's stories. I would love to hear, you know, how you got to be where you are in life, any, you know, success, any failures you had along the way that I can learn from. Um, and that the thing is, everyone loves talking about themselves. It's the thing they know the best, right? So as long as you like put uh, I guess a pitch that uh, they're going to go on for hours about it and so active listen take notes ask if it's okay take notes and um, you know just ask solid follow-up questions and then by the end of it after they've been talking the whole time they're going to be like all right young scrappy uh, Emerson what are you what are you like who are you tell me your story how can I help you um, and then that's when you know mentorship happens that's when uh, you know, those connections can happen. So you never know what's going to happen from our coffee, but you have to be the one to make it happen. You have to, to be willing to take that risk. And once you do, you never know what's on the other side. That's life right there. I love that. Yeah, and it's a quick tip sometimes I had too, and I'm sure you do this, but at the end, like ask, who else do you think would value yeah. conversation with me or would want to share their story with me? Like ask for referrals, like perpetually. Right your that your your ability to get other mentors and get in front of other people so yeah because it, i mean i'm sure throughout the whole time they're like not only how can i help this kid but who can i introduce him to like who else could he benefit from learning from and so like yeah i, I totally agree with you yeah that's awesome awesome um well I, those are perfect <laughs> and exactly what we need for some actual tips here let's let's move into the thresh crossing the threshold um so this for just to remind everyone crossing the threshold right is Luke stepping into the force, um, Spider-Man getting bit by the spider, Iron Man getting taken and put in the cave, creating his Iron Man suit and flying out and creating like the Iron Man type thing, crossing that threshold into like that supernatural, the next level, the those types of things. Um, there's quite a few <laughs> that I feel like you kind of had. Uh, maybe the loop, maybe the, I, I don't know, which, which, which is one that uh, you think is the most significant one you've crossed or is the one that you've crossed most recently or what are your thoughts there? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's been a couple um, and I'll, I'll touch on them. So I think the first is I got fired from my first job. 
uh, and that, you know, taught me a lot about myself. I, and the reason I got fired is because I was so passionate about what I was doing that, you know, I talked back to my new manager and I didn't treat him with respect. And I, you know, I thought I had all the answers and I thought that, you know, what I was doing was, um, you know, more important than what he wanted out of me. And, um, you know, I'm an, an entrepreneur at heart. My dad always tells me, he's like, you're not, not one that's easily managed. Um, so I learned that about myself, but I also learned that, listen, like, even though I might have the best idea, I have to be respectful. I have to, um, you know, put it in place when it's going to make sense. Um, and I have to, you know, not be, sometimes you, you got to bite your lip and you got to, you know, take it. And so that, I mean, that taught me a lot about myself. I, you know, it was a blessing in disguise though, because I fell into the career that I'm in right now. Um, you know, I going through that job search and, and finding and landing an IT recruiting position, it just really taught me, um, you know, because I went into a corporate company from there. And that's when I realized that I'm never going back to a corporate company. <laughs> it's a blessing in disguise because it led me back to Kansas City. I never thought I was going to move back here this young in my, in my life. And so um, that was kind of a blessing in disguise. And then the other one I kind of touched on was, um, you know, crossing that threshold. It was, it was really the challenge from Scott Havens. He's like, dude, if you can go meet 25 people in the next two months, I'll have another coffee with you. And I came to find that on my podcast, when I had him on, he's like, honestly, dude, I was just testing you. I knew that you had the network already with your family and who you knew in Kansas city. And I knew you're a personal enough guy. Cause we sat there and talked for two hours. He's like, all right, if this kid can actually do this, then I know he's going to be the right person to start the next, you know, what came to be the loop. And so like that, that challenge and following through on that and, you know, kind of developing my networking, excuse me, networking skills. Um, that's, that's really where I, I kind of realized that, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I can actually do this and I can help elevate other people and preach the value of this at a young age and build a group, uh, you know, where that's, you know, the common theme is, you know, get out there and, and meet people. Um, so I would say that's, those are the two that really stood out to me. I like that. So then as you started, like at those first few steps, right, you start to understand those superpowers, you start to understand what's going on, you you've stepped into that world of, oh, crap, like, I can do this, I can create the loop, I can, uh, mm. to put <laughs> the end of that story, the loop is huge, <laughs> largest young professional network in the city, like, expanding to other cities now, like, there's so many things that you've crushed. What was the beginning of that like, where you really started to understand, oh, I, I do have a supernatural ability to network and be a connector of other humans? Um, how did you maximize upon that? What, what was, what was those first few I don't know, months, weeks, whatever? whatever yeah. it was? So I'll, I'll talk about, I said the, the recruiting superpower and then the connecting superpower. So the recruiting one, um, dude, when I got my first it recruiting job, I knew nothing about it at all. It was a brand new industry to me. Like I had no idea all these different programming languages and everything. So I had to like, I had a crash course and I got thrown off the deep end. They're like sink or swim. And I went from the 900th ranked recruiter in the entire country to the ninth ranked recruiter in the entire country in three months. Um, and I was like, oh, damn, okay, I can actually do this. Like, I have a knack for, you know, finding qualifications and finding the right person to match those and finding them a job and like connecting opportunities to people and, you know, all that. So that was my recruiting one where I was like, okay, I, I, I got this. Um, and now it's, you know, we have a whole different style of recruiting at Chief of Staff versus the corporate style. And I, it, it combines the, the, the networking aspect of it where we're much more candidate focused. Our process is much more thorough and long and we prioritize building relationships rather than you know, being a resume factory. So, um, but then that leads into the, the networking one. Um, 
it was honestly when I came up with the idea for the loop, I met with Mary Crow, who is uh, my co-founder with it. And, uh, you know, we had just thrown a New Year's Eve party and 150 people came to an art gallery that we had rented out. And um, we were like, we can do this socially. We can mobilize people socially. Let's do it professionally. And so then it was just, we had no name for the group. We had no, like, we had a rough vision and a rough outline for it, but didn't have a name, didn't have a brand, didn't have any proof of, you know, actual or any proof of concept, any, you know, events we've thrown. And we started just to kind of go recruit people and talk about, you know, what the idea is going to be, you know, people in their twenties. And we got, our goal was to get 30 people by the end of 2019, we had 75. So we hit that 30 uh, person goal before we even had a name for the group. So I was like, damn, all right. So I can actually, not only can I network with older business owners, but I can, I can rally, you know, peers and I can put them all in a room together and, you know, help them grow and meet new people and succeed and, and hear from, you know, other business leaders. And so that's, that's really where that, you know, that superpower came out of. I was like, okay, wow. You know, I, I don't even have a name for this. I don't even have any proof of concept. I just have vision up the butt. So go with it. And some people did. So. And so. apply too. Like when you yeah. went to take action, that would, and that's a huge piece I love. Like it's one of the most significant pieces of your brain. Like that's what your nervous system is for, supposed to do is propel you to action. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about because some of these, whenever I kind of dissect some of these superpowers like skills and stuff, I always kind of wonder, is this something that you believe you kind of innately had, or is this something that the repetition, the challenge from Scott, the, um, the ability to, oh crap, I can kind of do this. Oh, I kind of have the vision. Let me go try. And like you got better. You mentioned the beginning, like the first couple of coffees that you, you go to, you have no clue what you're doing. And you should yeah. figure it out. So you kind of alluded to it builds a little bit, but what it what was that? What's that like as the power? Yeah, power develops. I would say there's one superpower I've known I've had my entire life, um, which kind of leads to all that. But it's like I I can empathize really well um, to the point where I'm sitting like here right now. I can see what you're seeing. Like I can literally put myself in like. For some, if I close my eyes, I can see what you're seeing. Like if I'm sitting across from someone or even across the computer screen, for some reason, I have the ability to literally put myself in people's shoes and see what they're seeing. But like, so I, I have empathy, uh, you know, out the ass. And I, I think that's made me a good person. Like I always put myself second, going to school at Rockers and being taught to be a man for others. Um, and growing up, you know, with the Catholic faith and, you know, uh, tremendous, you know, parents who are always, you know, taught put me on the straight and narrow and, and taught me the value of treating others well. Um, that is, that's all kind of led to the ability to connect uh, and the ability to recruit. It's all right. So if I'm helping someone find a job, putting yourself in their situation, they may not have a job. They may be struggling. They may be, you know, really anxious, really stressed out is to say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Let me help you get to where you need to go. Or even if they have a job and they're just pissed off and angry and not supported, it's like empathize with that and play into that. And then on the, on the connecting part of it, um, you know, just being able to kind of see what people need. And like, you're, you're the king of this dude. Like once you, once you understand someone like seeing how, your network can, you know, advantageously assist them in where they want to go. Like, all right, Emerson needs to meet this person because this is what he's trying to do. Or uh, another person needs to meet Emerson because he's going to help them get. And so like, you're really good at putting those dots together. Um, but it, as long as you can have empathy and seek to understand 
first and foremost. I mean, that plays into networking. It's just like, don't go in with an agenda. Just your natural curiosity, your, your empathy will allow you to kind of understand them better as a person and not come at it, um, you know, with an agenda in mind. So I think just being someone that can uh, like innately understand people uh, has really helped me get to where I am in my career. And again, I kind of, I felt like I fell into it, um, but I honestly felt called back to Kansas City uh, just with some family stuff that happened. And I, you know, I couldn't be happy with where I am. So I love that. And I'm just sitting, it, it's so interesting too, because I like you meet with a lot of people and talk with a lot of people. And one of the, my still to this day, craziest things is we sat down and I'm sitting there talking more than I have ever in a meeting ever. I'm like, holy shit. This, I, at the end, I was like, holy crap. He, he did what I usually do. What's going on here? Yeah. It was, it's nuts. So one of the superpowers I would say, like observing you, it would be your listening and questions, dude. Like it's nuts the way that it's not like a random, it, you, you flow through the show. Oh, that's interesting. You, you utilize pace and lead is kind of the way I think about it. Like utilize what they're kind of thinking about, match their pace and then lead them towards a question that you're curious about. Like you just so yeah. naturally do that. Like I remember when I was coaching people on, especially in sales, that was like, a thing that I had to teach people and you just boom, it seems like you get it so quickly. Um, and it really, it really plays, I think, towards like that being interested versus trying to be interesting. And I feel right. like, like there's maybe, I would love to hear a little bit of your thoughts on that specifically too. As a younger yeah. person, the, you just got out of college, you learned all this new stuff and all these older mentors, you're around all these people, especially you um, around all these people. Like, how do you, how do you hold your tongue back? How do you listen more? And because I feel like I see a lot of people that want to get out there and want to be like, I'm good. I can do this. I, look at this. I can do that. This shiny object. I, I, I'm this smart. I'm that. Whatever. Yeah. And they want to spew, 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 and it turns people off. And it's right. hard necessarily to hold back and try and be interested right. and ask questions. So what do you think about that in general? And then is that maybe something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a skill that's developed. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I've always been, you know, the greatest active listener or, you know, being able being able to ask good follow-up questions. I think, you know, recruiting for the last, you know, three and a half years is real, like by having this like 10 different conversations on a daily basis or whatever it is um, where, you know, I'm seeking to understand. I'm like, I need to. So I go through resumes all day long and I, you know, all right. So what drives you? What are your passions? You know, where you want to get with your career? You know, how, how is like, are you progressing the right way? And you're literally just kind of the best way to ask the question is to try to open, like to allow the other person to just keep talking and just like, like as, as the ball starts to roll, just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it to where you're not taking over the conversation. You're allowing the other person um, to talk. And so like active listening is a great skill to have. And I think it's one that people should definitely work on. Um, you know, I think I, I honestly take pride and being in a room full of people and not saying anything and being asked to talk. Yeah, I know I have to bite my lip a lot. Um, and a lot of times it doesn't work where I'll just chime in. But like anytime I can say, Emerson, you've been quiet. Like, what do you think? That's a victory in my book because I love it. what you do by doing that is like, you're not like your opinion is more valued when you sit there and you like digest everything and then you formulate an opinion. I think our generation has a very, very difficult, like difficult time with that because we group think, right? There's not a lot of original thought. It's like, all right, I'm gonna retweet this article and people will think that I'm smart because I, that I, someone else's opinions are now mine 
or like, they'll, you know, quote tweet or whatever it is. It's like, no, sit there, understand, read the article and formulate your own thought. And it's just putting those pieces together. But I think active listening uh, is a huge skill and then just creative thought as well. Um, yeah, and I, I love that creative imagination is suffocated from our use. And I had never yeah. really necessarily thought about the retweets and how that you're sharing posts as opposed to creating your own. That's, that is a very, very deep insight, my friend. That, that is yeah. that's huge. Like that's so freaking yeah. true. Like, yeah, social, I, I mean, I think social media itself is the downfall of creative thought of our generation. Like it really is because you know, it, things just start to snowball. It's like, all right, you, you either believe this or you believe this. And it's like, no, there's so much room in the middle for, you know, all right, I believe this here, but I don't believe this. And I believe this. And I don't like, you know, it ha doesn't have to be all black and white, you know, and, it, and that I think our just society has been divided by social media to where you're the right or you're wrong, or you're in or you're out. Right. And that's not how life is. Almost, never. it's ridiculous to think that way. And I, it, the creative imagination is literally that, like grabbing all of the stuff and then creating your own thing. Like it's so, such a lost art, it really, truly. And that's recreating the ability to imagine is the purpose of TBA right. to attack exactly that. So I just had met, it's such a great insight. Though. Well, I mean, to to <laughs> point it back to entrepreneurship, that's that's why entrepreneur, the most successful entrepreneurs identify a customer need and then attack it. And the only way to identify a customer need is to analyze the market, to sit back and just look at all the numbers that come through, look at all the responses and, you know, all like that, that's how the best ideas are created is just by, again, like listening and, and analyzing and um, just waiting to, to the point where you see a need and then you attack it. So, I mean, even that creative thought like mindset can apply to entrepreneurship as well same way i love that so this is kind of a little bit more of the down to earth more serious maybe ish question i kind of ask but it's more around the caves uh, that people enter um it's not life is and it's something i help people realize a lot in, in coaching is, is that life is a journey and there are caves there are dragons you don't beat like there are um super villains that win you get to come back afterwards and try again like <laughs> when you lost the bowser when you were a kid it's not like yeah. where you just start and level over right but a lot of times people get stuck that, oh, this is the only chance I had to beat Bowser. Um, and they get lost in the sauce on that sometimes. But the the um, caves that, that you've had to enter, are there, are there ones where all hope is lost type feeling, different, like difficult times? Um, yeah. To just a little bit more of a real question um, to help yeah. people understand, especially the young people watching. Yeah, because it happens to the best of us. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say there's three that come to mind. The first I already talked about, which is getting fired from my first job. Um, yeah, it sucked. Like I had never, never been fired before. I never knew what that would feel like. I was living out in Las Vegas and now I, I didn't really know anyone out there other than, um, you know, the people I worked with. And now not only do I not have a job, I don't have any friends. Um, and so I'm like out stranded in Vegas by myself. And, you know, I took a couple months to, to, not relax, but just kind of get my own life together and figure out what I wanted to do moving forward. Cause I really did see myself doing that for a while. But, um, so that was the first one. The second one was when I was in Nashville, after I had a recruiting, um, job, like my girlfriend broke up with me and I thought that was the end of the world because like, I had, I, I've only had one girlfriend my entire life. And I, you know, thought that was the one I thought that, you know, I put so much value on that relationship because it was the first one. And, it sent me spiraling. Like I got 
her friends were my friends. I didn't have any other friends outside of my job, which my job was driving me crazy. That's the reason she like wanted to break up because she's like, you're not the same person. You're miserable. You're working too much. Like you don't have time for me. And I just kind of sent me spiraling. But I realized from that, I was like, I need to prioritize happiness. And I wear this wristband every day. It says love and happiness will follow. And I literally live my life by that mantra because you know, after that, I like, I wore this even when that was happening. And I looked down one day, I'm like, I'm not doing what makes me happy. It's why I don't love my life. Um, and it's why I can't love others. Uh, and so like, I then decided to quit my job and I moved back to Kansas city where I had friends and family. And I knew that that love existed there. And I knew that support was there. And I, and I needed it. Like I had never felt depressed in my entire life and it smacked me in the face. And there would, I just would sit at night and cry by myself in my bed. And I had never done that before. And so that was like, I think the biggest emotional cave I've ever dealt with. Um, but that also led me to appreciate where I'm at with my life right now and all the friends and support and just, you know, constant um, love I feel around me, like without going through that negativity, without going through that depression, I, I would never be able to understand and appreciate everything around me nowadays. Um, and so that's, that's a, in this um, one, this is one, and I'm like 48% of the, our audience deals with anxiety and depression. So I can stick on this one just for a minute, but what is the, some of the more specific, like I, and I love the mantra. Could you say the mantra again, actually? Um, it's do what you love and happiness will follow. Okay. So when you're doing what you love, what does that look like to you? Does that mean, and like, like specifically in doing what you love, how do you believe that pulled you from out of that cave of, of depression and, and some of those sorrowful feelings? Like, like, is there examples of things that like, what, what is the doing portion? What's the, yeah. So, so what I realized is like, you know, I, I knew my job was like eating me alive and I was spending, I was working from 5 30 AM till 8 PM every night to try to get promoted and to try to prove that, you know, the value of my work ethic should get me promoted. And at the end of the day, it didn't. It's because I didn't play the internal office team. Sorry that my email's going off. Um, but I didn't play the politics and they didn't think I socialized enough with the internal people. And then I was just like, if I can give my all and I can't even get to where I want to go, like, why am I doing this? But to me, what I realized is by spending so much time in the office, like I wasn't doing anything that made me happy outside. Like I would get up and go to work and I would come home and go to sleep and get up and go to work and come home and like, Literally that cycle just kept repeating to the point where on the weekends, I was so exhausted. I didn't go out at all. I didn't have any money. So I literally would just sit in my apartment and chill and like sleep all weekend. And I, I that's kind of what led to the depression of it all. And so what I decided to do is like, I'm going to take up a creative hobby. I, I have to get out of my, out of my apartment and out of this depression and out of all of this. So what I did is Nashville has a ton of really cool street art. So I took my GoPro and around and I started taking pictures of all like the graffiti and street art and murals and stuff around town and created an Instagram profile and put it all together. And that honestly saved me that I mean, like having something to look forward to and having having a creative outlet to express what I was going through and being able to be vulnerable um, and, and rely on friends and family to, you know, help me get through that. That's that's really, um, you know, that was a really special time in my life. And uh, yeah. Dude, I love that. And it's just perfect with the theme. And one of the, so like body budget, one of the best ways to kind of maximize your brain, keep your anxiety, depression at bay and stuff. One of the pieces like exercise, nutrition, like those are obviously pieces, but one of them is having a mission. Like, like yeah. 
that's what I love that you had a reason, a purpose to get up, something to go do, something to carry you forward. So that that's awesome because then yeah, you man. directed at something that's getting out of those shitty patterns. That's awesome. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to hear that you uh, got out of that one, dude. That's yeah. Great, great yeah. Right now, right now, baby. Love um, it. So let's let's dive in. So you you collect, you've gone through some caves, learned some things there, obviously. You've got some of the superpowers. You kind of crossed your threshold with the loop and different things. What's what's next for Emerson? What's what yeah. higher plane? What's what's uh, the, the the next the next sequel to 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 your show? Um, well, the the third cave I forgot to mention was COVID, oh. right? um, and then I'll, it'll lead me into my plane. But um, you know, I recruiting. You know, I mean, I'm at the mercy of the market and who's hiring, and no one was hiring for about six months um, from March until our long six months is after that. We didn't really start picking back up until like September, October. Uh, and now we're, we're busy again, planning for 2021, which is great. But like during that time, I was getting so frustrated. I just felt lost. I like when I'm not busy, I feel like a waste of space. And it just drove me crazy to the point where I was like lashing out at my manager. And I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm just so emotional right now. And I'm not, I don't mean to take it out on you. It's just like, I need to vent and I need to get through this. Uh, and luckily she was there just to kind of hear me out and be a sounding board. So Lisa, thank you. Uh, but um I, I, you know, my dad, again, is one of my biggest mentors and I reached out, I, him and my mom will sit together on speakerphone and talk to me um, when I'm feeling down or just, you know, want to update them on what I'm doing. And so my dad was like, Emerson, now is the time to be entrepreneurial. You have to think outside the box. If you're not making money, find ways to do it. If you're not happy, find ways to be happy. You know, if you're not busy, find ways to be busy. Um, you have to think like an entrepreneur and you have to use this as an opportunity and not a setback. Um, and so, you know, having that mind shift, uh, Need your advice. I love really, that. really put me on the path to where I'm going with like the higher planes and what I want to do moving forward. COVID gave me a ton of time to work on some projects like the podcast I'm doing right now that came out from, you know, having that extra time, the, the loop, uh, and our mission to, um, uh, have everyone be involved in a philanthropy or a nonprofit and partnering with local nonprofits to get people involved that all came out from that time. And the expansion plan of the loop and the franchising of the loop um, and, you know, the overall loop conference one day, that all came out from this time. as well. It's just, you know, I think a lot of people that are younger or, or in our generation took COVID on the chin and sat back and you're like, damn, this sucks. You know, I, I got to wait to get out of this. You know, I can't do anything with my career because, you know, I can't go into work or blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, uh, I saw it with my brother and I, you know, continue to like push him and push him and say like, no, you go out and do something else, find something to do, connect with people, blah, blah, blah. So um, that, I mean, having that time and having that cave uh, really propelled me forward. Um, and so like moving forward with not only the loop and, you know, what that is, elevating and delegating, giving other people responsibility, you know, the, uh, the problem solving group that we're, you know, in talks about right now to start, um, you know, and working with the KC Pioneers, working with Andrew Dallas and the NBA KC team, like all these opportunities came out of a really shitty time, but I could have sat back and, and just waited for it to all come back like it did eventually, or I could have used all that extra time to build because I think I mean, you, you'll start to see the benefits of it, like all that hard work, putting your head down and just getting through it. You'll start to see that come out on the other end, uh, you know, hopefully in 2021. So fingers crossed. Um, I love that. That's awesome. Ty, we're kind of coming up towards the end here. 
question I, I'd like to ask, a fun one, first of all, your favorite superhero is obviously the first one, but then uh, kind of that the, the golden ticket question too is um, the kind of, if, if you had to put yourself back and you're in front of your fraternity, <laughs> like you were, and instead of a senior, you're, you're the 26 year old you are now, would you change anything you say to those younger people? Um, and if you yourself, would you change if young Emerson was in that crowd that you got to talk to when you were in your fraternity, um, would you say anything different? So superhero and then the advice you give um, to those um, younger Emerson. I'm trying to think of, I think uh, probably Batman is my favorite superhero because he's just a normal person with the you know heart of gold that just wants to help his city and wants to give back and you know all that. Uh, obviously he's super rich and he's a playboy or whatever, but um, I just like the the mindset that he has of, you know, no one's going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to defend what's right and I'm going to, you know, help my community. So I don't know. I think, I think that mindset's pretty cool. I also like Deadpool just because he doesn't take himself very seriously. And that's just always funny. Um, but uh, outside of that, Ryan Reynolds did a kick-ass job portraying him. But uh, outside of that, uh, in terms of the advice I would give, um, you know, I, I would, I would continue with the same stuff, but I would add the, the mantra. Um, so take risk, time to fail. Uh, if you fail, get right back up and learn from that. You know, you saw yourself fall on your face. Try not to do that moving forward learn from those mistakes, but you have to be willing to fail. You have to be able to take a risk and say, I could fall right on my face, but that's all right. You know, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be better for it in the end. So don't, don't be too scared to take risks because of failure. Take risks because you will fail and you'll learn from it and you'll be a better person. And then the other is just, again, do it. Do what you love and happiness will follow. Doing what you love doesn't have to be your profession. Doing what you love could be, you know, coming home at night and reading a book or making music or you're just going on a walk, um, you know, with your girlfriend or, you know, taking your dog out. Like doing what you love doing it doesn't always have to be professionally tied, you know, hopefully that bleeds into your profession and hopefully that passion in your life will lead to uh, fulfillment in your career. Uh, but that, that takes a while for a lot of people. I'm blessed that it's happened so early in my life and being able to connect and recruit and all that, but there's still people, my dad's age that struggle with, you know, looking back and being like, damn, like, what have I done with my life? And then find something at six years old. So never give up on that. Gary V always talks about that, but Never give up on that. Always chase your passion um, and always find out what your why is and move from there. Um, and then lastly, if I was in the crowd listening to myself, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what, like if you yourself were there and you got to talk to yourself when you were younger, um, knowing what you know now, is there something something you'd specifically kind of whisper into your own ear? Besides, yeah. uh, I would say, I would say network more from a young age, like, I mean, this is the advice. I, I talked to a lot of people in college looking for internships or a lot of our recent college grads looking for jobs. Um, and even high schoolers, like networking can have a stigma to it where you're like, why? I mean, like, you know, it's a waste of time. There's no value to it, but I mean, like you never, never know where a conversation is going to lead. Right. And right. if you as a young person can be so interested in, in bettering yourself and learning from successful people. They don't even have to be successful. Just learning from people and taking genuine interest in others. Those are going to take genuine interest in you. And having more people on your team is going to open up so many doors that you didn't even know were there. They're invisible. Yes. You walk in and you break it down. So like, again, take risks, 
get coffees with people, you know, and just continue to be a lifelong learner. Don't stop just because college is over. Start because college is over. You know, again, you and I, Cody, we talk about the how college sets you up for failure all the time. You know, you learn all this book knowledge, right? And then you have to go out and apply it and find the skills that match. So then once you find those skills, refine them and just grow them. And the only way you can do that is going to actually having life experience. And so since you don't have the life experience, find people that do and learn how they did it and, and just continue to invest in yourself as a person, health-wise, mentality-wise, spiritually, and then professionally. And they'll be in a good spot. I love that, dude. That's awesome. And I love the, the focus on happiness too, man. I'm, I have very much about like starting to find success by happiness, not by money and things like that. Yeah, man. Life's too short to worry about money, man. Completely agree. I think our generation. Yeah, hit by a bus tomorrow and you can just, you know, not be happy. You can have all the money in the world and get hit by a bus. You can have all the money in the world and have liver cancer and die tomorrow. But on your deathbed, the people that'll be jealous are the people that don't have any money, but yet they're surrounded by friends and family and are loved and are happy. That's the job. And so go, go in it with the mindset. Like if I died tomorrow, am I happy with where I am? And if you can lay your head down at night and say, yes, then you're living a blessed life. Hell yeah. I don't think there's a better place to cap it either. I appreciate yeah. you jumping on. Thank you everyone for coming on today. Um, and this week, see you next time. Peace.